Welcome to the Dauntless Grace Exchange. I'm Deidre. And I'm Megan. And today we are welcoming back our friend, Joan Ryan, to the podcast. Uh, Just let me give a a brief introduction for our listeners if they haven't heard you on here before, Joan. But Joan Ryan has been teaching the Enneagram to individuals, groups, businesses, and organizations for more than 20 years. Using the experience gained in her previous practice as an attorney, she built a leadership coaching career, which expanded into many sectors and internationally. When she found IFS, she saw the possibilities of interweaving the two models as a very positive enhancement to both systems. She had the unusual honor of being directly mentored by two of the premier Enneagram teachers, Helen Palmer and the late Dr. David Daniels. Her most recent work with Tammy Sullenberger focuses on exploring the Enneagram through the lens of IFS. They have a chapter on that in the upcoming book, All Together Us, which is edited by Jenna Remersma, who's also been on our podcast. And Joan will be presenting that material at the International Enneagram Association Conference in July. Did I get all that right, Joan? You did, Megan. Perfect. Awesome. Um, Thank you so much for the invitation. It's so much fun to talk to you guys Um, and to talk to people who are knowledgeable about both of these systems. Um, We're we're still a little new at, at that and in the merger. And Tammy and I, over the last three years, have have gone a long way. But my sense is that there's still a long way we can go with this. Um, one of the things that, uh, that I'm aware of is that the, the IFS techniques and methods are in addition to the Enneagram universe, for lack of a better word, that we never had before. It's, it's method. I think I'm repeating myself, but it gives us a specific way to find out a piece of our type and then actually work with it. And to my eyes, we've never had that before. We have meditation, we have lots of technique, but we've never had kind of a playbook. Um, And it's been really fun over the last three years to work with lots and lots of different people, creating maps using the IFS methodology and what we know about the structure of type. So that's kind of where I'm sitting, right in the exploration, which is, an interesting place for a nine. Um, I have to be careful that I don't expand it out too much because I could. Um, and that always keeping it actionable, I, I think is probably my clearest goal. And having a three for a teaching partner is really helpful for that. <laughs> <laughs> I go off on some tangent and she pulls me right back. <laughs> That's a great partnership. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. It's also been interesting because we can work the shared line that we have from three to nine and um, use that as uh, as examples for our students. So we've run a lot of groups, a lot of classes. We're about to start another class. I pilot tested um, uh, typing, Enneagram typing using IFS, which I'm going to teach again. And this IAA um, presentation is going to be based on what we put together for our chapter in uh, in All Together Us, which we're really excited about. What what do you think the starting point most successfully is to start with Enneagram and then use the methods that you are talking about to do the work with the parts through IFS? Or do people successfully come from IFS into Enneagram? I think you mentioned something about that as well, like typing from- It's a a really good question, Deidre. I think that it works either way. 
if I was brand new to it um, from the Enneagram side um, or for somebody who is, what I would want to do is to kind of map out what are the key components of the type? Um, David Daniels used to say, what tells you that you are the type that you believe yourself to be? So if I use myself as an example, I know that I'm in nine because I know that conflict is extremely difficult for me. I also know that I like things to be harmonious. I like things to be even and not a lot of volatility. Um, and I also know that my strength is to see the validity in a bunch of competing arguments, right? It's just my view screen. Um, if I start with those key pieces, they really are what IFS would call trailheads. Mm. And I can take any one of them and go in there looking for uh, protectors, managers or firefighters, and ultimately looking for the exiles. Um, what Tammy and I have come up with, and I've talked to you about this before, I think, is that we believe that Enneagram type is, in one sense, a constellation of parts. Now, that's positive parts, protectors, and, um, and exiles, and also challenging ones. Um, there are positive exiles. There, there are positive and negative of all the IFS kinds of parts. But if you took, for example, a panel of four or five nines, which is how we teach in the narrative, um, they're going to have some significant similarities in their parts because they have to be there in order to hold the type structure together. Mm -hmm. So I, that's our starting point. We've been, we've been trying to work that hypothesis all the way through and it does seem to hold. Um, of course, trauma, life experience, age, work, all of that um, individualizes the presentations. And a lot of times we'll create additional exiles and parts, but you've got a basic set that has to be there to hold it all together. Yeah, we we recently did um, an Enneagram retreat, Enneagram and IFS retreat um, back in February, and we had three nines at our retreat, and we don't often have a lot of nines show up, which it was kind of neat to see. And as we led them through kind of an IFS exercise, all three nines had a very similar exile, similar part show up about needing to feel heard. And so it just, it kind of, it reinforces that idea that there's going to be such a similar constellation for every number. And so um, yeah, I mean, as a nine, I'm really glad you're here, not just to talk about like the, kind of being the bookend since Tammy introduced all of this for our listeners, but also you're, you're a nine who's done a ton of work and we seem to run into nines a lot who are a little bit scared of this work sometimes. And so I'm just wondering if you can talk specifically about being a nine. Absolutely. Again, a really, really good question. Um, it is hard. Um, part of the reason that, that, the Enneagram and the identification as nine can be so scary is because it, for many of us at beginning, it feels like being stuck. It feels like, um, let me back that up a little. Because stating personal preferences is such a huge challenge for nines, and I've never met a nine where that isn't true, um, it becomes really daunting to think, oh, Am I going to choose this system or a different system? Or how far can I go? Um, there is also um, usually within the nine structure, 
a something similar to eight, which is a black and white kind of thinking about certain issues. Difference between nine and eight would be that the nine will spread that out and it'll only show up occasionally where the eight is black and white most of the time. Um, and that black and white in a nine is likely to show up as, well, I tried it a little bit and it didn't work, so I quit. <laughs> I actually was working with a with a coaching client nine of mine the other day, and that's where we got stuck. It was, she kept going back to, but I tried that already. And I said, well, talk to me about the depth of how hard you tried and what <laughs> flexibility you had within that attempt. And it was like, well, I stuck my toe in the water. It didn't feel good. And I'm not doing it again. <laughs> and, and I hate to admit it, but I recognize that behavior. <laughs> you know? I, I might be a nine if that's one of the telltale signs. I mean, you've yeah. got the line between between <laughs> nine and one, Deirdre. And yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, just, it's just really challenging. And if you back up to what we know about the type structure of any of the three body types, eight, nine, or one, Megan just hit on the, the critical similarity is we want to be heard. We don't really care whether you agree with us, although sometimes a one does. Um, <laughs> and it looks like we we care if you're an eight, sometimes me. Um, but what we really want to know is that you actually listened and you gave us credit for being an, a distinct individual with opinions, because it's so hard if you're a nine to bring that forward. Okay. So there's a there's a there's a group of protectors and and related exiles right there around being heard. And it's an excellent starting point. If you don't know what you are, but you know that you have that need, go to those three first. That's so good. What does yeah. that look like in just practicality for you? I, th I think some people we we say, you know, this is kind of imaginative. It's uh, it's a little bit contemplative. Like we're asking them to kind of look inside and not everyone's super comfortable with that. So you mentioned a trailhead. Um, how does someone. Well, I can, yeah, I, I can give you a, an example. Um, it doesn't happen a lot anymore, although I can't claim that it's gone away. But my kids will tell you that not, uh, not super uh, infrequently, I will tell them the same thing over and over and over again. And they can't figure out why they're not, I'm not hearing them saying, yeah, mom, I got it. That's a trailhead. That's me indicating if I really slow down and look at it, I don't think they actually heard me. Mm. I can hear the words that they got it, but it doesn't feel to me in my gut like I was actually received. And I'll say again, I don't care whether they agree or not, at essence, if I really go down into it. Um, but I do want them to consider my input because it takes a lot for me to come forward with something mm -hmm. that I really care about and feel it from a strong position. Again, not so much anymore, but I've been doing this for 30 years. Right. Um, but it'll still happen. And my brothers are the other ones. Look to the people that are close to you and look for the pattern. What's the thing that, you know, they'll tell you you do that they don't understand? If you ask my kids, you ask my siblings, they're going to say, why does she keep saying it over and over? There it is. Okay, that's good. Does that help? 
Yeah. Yeah. So some of those cyclical patterns or things that others notice in you that might be a good starting point, uh, right. like that's a, a manager that's saying I need to be understood. So this is something I'll clarify or repeat. Um, it, it, it is so central to all three body types that need to be heard that it's got to be more than one pair of parts. Okay. It's got to be at, at least a couple of exiles from different situations mm-hmm. um, and some variety of manager. Um, you know, the, differenti- the differentiator in IFS between the two types of protectors, managers and firefighters, is that the managers are trying to stop the exile from being triggered. And the firefighter is trying to put out the fire when the man when the exile has been triggered. And I think it could go either way. Um, the other thing that you have in nine is a marked tendency um, towards what we could label as addictive behavior. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to have firefighters, they're going to be in in the realm of something uncontrolled where there's too much. It doesn't have to be alcohol. It doesn't have to be drugs. It could be collecting. It could be anything. Um, But that um, too much and over and over is going to be a repeat pattern. And I think what that's doing is trying to calm an exile who's just so upset for having asserted themselves. Mm, You're in the nine universe. You don't think you're supposed to assert yourself for whatever reason. You know that you can, you know that you want to, at least most most of us do, but it doesn't feel safe. So there's gotta be exiles under there and they're gonna be slightly different, but they're all gonna be tied to that same thing. What kind of healing messages do those exiles need to hear? What does that look like for you? Or how do we unburden that? Good question. Um, I think maybe they need to hear that it's okay to try to take the position and to negotiate and to adjust if the first attempt is not successful. Again, that toe in the water um, metaphor comes in here. Um, Many nines that I know, myself included, um, felt shouted down um, or felt overpowered or the other word you hear very often from wine from nines is overwhelmed by other people um to describe myself as a kid i would say that i grew up in the loud family and i was the quiet one so just to get myself heard was a you know was a big task and i just learned not to do it because it was too hard Um, But I also know from my IFS work that I have exiles who tried Mm -hmm. to to get into a conversation, not necessarily an argument, but to have an impact or to say something strongly and got just either shouted down or logicked out or whatever. Um, Don't forget, too, that body types are sitting on intuition. Intuition means that you know stuff that maybe other people don't know. That does not make you popular (laughs) when you're not careful (laughs) when you state what you know, especially when you're right. (laughs) And what happens in nines, and I think also in ones, Deirdre, I can check this with you, is you try a few times, you get a negative response, and you just stop trying. Mm. 
And some of us, um, and this is not necessarily true of me, but I know it is of others, some of us will not only stop trying, but will start questioning whether the intuition is right or not. Mm. Not taking the time to check it out going forward. You asked me before about medicine for an exile. That's one. If you find an exile in a nine or in a one who believes that they shouldn't speak up for fear of being wrong or being, you know, discounted, you might want to take them through a memory exercise to see was that intuition that they were trying to bring forward actually correct or not? Because nine times out of 10, it was, it just wasn't popular. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have an off topic question because now I'm having an existential crisis. Like I always do when I talk to nines, but what is your relationship to feelings? <laughs> That's the hardest question you can ask me. <laughs> good. Um, Cause I need, I need a good answer. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to guess that part of this is what's the difference between a nine and a four? Maybe. (laughs) Maybe, just possibly. So from my corner of the nine world, just mine, and I'll comment on others, feelings other than anger are very, very difficult. Um, Even now, uh, if I'm really honest about it, I don't know how much I feel other things besides anger. And because I've worked on the anger so much, I don't connect to it very often anymore. Um, I have recently learned that it is possible to express feelings physically. Um, By that, I mean um, by moving the energy of the feelings through my body. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give you an example rather than feeling it. Um, I have a very, very close friend who is deteriorating mentally and I'm responsible a lot for her. This is my best friend of 30 years. I can't tell you that I can feel the sadness, Megan, but I can tell you that I work my ass off to help her and to do things for her. And that's how I'm expressing those feelings. It mm. really, really hurts. I know it hurts, but I don't really feel it until okay. I start to work it through physically. The doing that makes me. sense. There and are that- many other nines who cry at the drop of a hat. I'm not one. Um, and those kinds of things. And will tell you differently. Um, the one thing that I have heard repeatedly over the years is that it is difficult to delineate one feeling from another other than anger. Mm -hmm. So sad as against depressed, as against despair, as against things that a four can tell you in great detail, most nines can't do. All right. Crisis averted over here. Okay. (laughs) That actually, um, you asked me something that I've just recently been able to learn about in myself because there's been so much resistance to this because mm. I'm doing something wrong. I, I, you know, I don't feel it. Now I can also tell you that in my own history, I know that I was told repeatedly as a small child that I was way too sensitive. So I'm going to bet, and I haven't gotten to this 
particularly deeply, I'm going to bet that I've got exiles under there who are getting in the way Mm -hmm. and protectors who are getting in the way of a lot of feeling. Yeah. Um, And I don't think that that's particularly unusual in the nine or in one for that matter. I mean, Deidre, is that similar for? Well, I even, the fact that you said something about some, you know, some other nines who cry at the drop of a hat, crying to me is still a very gut instinct thing. And funnily enough, like Megan, as a four who has a lot of feelings, crying is not her go-to that that's really hard for her. I cry about everything, whether I'm happy, mad or sad, like I can be laughing and it comes out as tears. So, and, and we have been with some nines who, when they hit something, they just start sobbing. Yeah. But they can't really tell you what it's about. They just can't. That's exactly. There the it body. is. Yeah. Yes. So I still that's think exactly. that's like a body instinct kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And some of us do and some of us don't, but it's the, de- the inability to delineate and to separate. Yeah. Which I think does go across. Um, I also know I work with, I seem to attract a lot of eights in my practice, my coaching practice and in my, and uh, in my classes. And very often they will say something similar on the, what we do know in the eight is the anger is usually covering some other emotion that they can't get to easily or that the protectors are just going to get in the way. Mm Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't find it hard as a one to express all kinds of different feelings. I feel like I'm fairly emotionally intelligent in that regard. Um, but you have a line with four too. So yeah, I feel like you tap yeah. into that a little easier. I just think when I was younger, I I wouldn't have allowed, like where an eight won't allow certain feelings to show fo- front facing because they're vulnerable. Mine was more like what's not appropriate in this moment to express. Well, and, and that goes back to the, to what we know about ones. We've talked about this before where- I have three different ones, you're going to give me a different description of the right way, the right emotions, the acceptable emotions than the person next to you, even though the profile is the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't mean to get on a feeling tangent. It's just that every time I hear you talk about being a nine, I'm like, maybe I'm a nine. And every time I say that, Deidre's like, no, you're a four. Um, so I just, I needed to hear the clarification. And that was a good one because I- yeah. I feel no, like I, I can separate the my question because it is, it is the edge. It's uh, again, David Daniels would have said, he always asked us what our growing edge was. And my growing edge is to figure out where I stand with respect to emotions other than anger. Mm-hmm. You know, I did the anger work. I can explode at you. It's not going to look like it did 10 years ago when it was really ugly because I have a different relationship with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I very rarely will other stuff come up and, you know, the tears will be leaking out of my eyes and I'm like, what is that? And where is it coming from? (laughs) I love that. The other thing I have to say is, you know, I, I I think, you know, believe that everybody has both wings and that's my experience all these years, but I lean very heavily on that eight one externally. And that may be affecting this too. You know, I come by that honestly. My father was an eight and one of my kids is an eight. Caught between, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do know nines that that are much more connected, especially to sadness and things mm-hmm. than I appear to be. 
But I think that IFS is really helpful because it'll tell us where and why. Well, that's helpful yeah. too that you said where you could start as a nine because I think for Megan and I both, it's often a feeling that we're something is flooded or we're triggered by something. And so it's really easy that emotions are our trailhead. So if that's not for you, it's good to look at, um, as you mentioned, some cycles or some patterns, you know, that you're seeing play out in your life. Uh, that's well, helpful. You, can, yeah, you can go to the, you can go to the basic structure of the Enneagram. I mean, we, Tammy and I have been doing a lot of work in our classes with how important the primary focus of attention is. Mm -hmm. That's, always a trailhead. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, from my nine example, it's stated a slightly differently by different authors, but basically the automatic default attentional focus is going to be other people's agendas, what they value, what they're doing and when. Um, and it's not that hard to catch if you're a nine. Um, classic example of my own, which most nines will relate to, I think, is I can be working on, let's say, the last the last edit of the chapter of the book, which is one of the most important things that I've done ever. And one of my kids calls and says, Mom, can you go pick up the dog from the groomer? And if I'm not really careful, I'm in the car on the way to do that, you know, deadline notwithstanding before I before I catch myself. It's just how it works. There's no better trailhead than that. Or for Megan, <laughs> um, she notices that the only thing she's noticing in a situation is what's not there. Great trailhead, because that's the view screen. What's missing? Yeah. Not what's here? What's missing? Or maybe, why do I not want to value what's in front of me right now? You know, shut up, Enneagram. <laughs> <laughs> But no, that's a good reminder. The focus of attention that you kind of walked us through last year has really been um, a good tool that we've been using because I had never heard it in those terms before. Um, but you're right. There's no way I'm a nine because I can't get past the focus of attention of a four. In fact, teacher, I don't remember the circumstance, but we were in the car somewhere not too long ago and we were talking about uh, like a comment I had made or a story that had just happened. And we both were like totally viewing it through our focus of attention because yeah. I don't remember even what the situation was, but you were like, well, I just feel criticized. And I was like, well, I just assume that there's, this was missing in me. I don't even remember what it was. It was but like tasking through, right like waking up with a list going through my head. Oh and yeah. She was criticizing me when she's like, I don't even, ever I don't have that manager. It's, we were talking about IFS. She's That's like, right. I have a manager telling me about my to-do list for the day. And um, if I'm going to get it all done or not. And I just don't have enough time. And I'm like, I don't have that manager. And she was like, well, some of us, and I'm like, wait, I wasn't criticizing you. I was saying that's missing in me. I don't have that manager. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's it's wonderful when you're trying to find your type. It's also wonderful when you're trying to come at it from the other side. Yeah. Because, you know, nine and one are right next to each other. I can't, I have to have these little post-it notes on my desk to remind me that I have a list. <laughs> you know, and, and again, my kids, they're the best at this in everything, is, you know, they know that there is a grocery list, but I'm in the grocery store and the list is on my desk. <laughs> Just the way it is. <laughs> I relate to that. <laughs> but, but you know, it, it also is a measure of how close these types can be and how much we have all the types in us to some extent or not. 
I mean, I kept thinking I was a six for a million years. It made sense. I mean, I'm a lawyer by education. So for God's sakes, that's a six process. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the difference was I can't hold my attention. Or as Helen would say to me, you can't hold your vigilance. I never expect anything bad to come out of the universe and hit me. I, I expect criticism, but I don't expect danger. Um, and no good six in, in, you know, in their right mind would be able to say that. So it's little delineations, um, but they're very, very telling. And the parts will tell you. Mm -hmm. I'm struggling a little bit with the focus of attention for a two and a nine, because sure. as soon as you said focus of attention for nine, I thought, okay, because my husband, we would have sworn he was a two. And now I was like, oh, but there's like this subtype that's a countertype that looks like more social than a normal nine might look. But the focus of attention, the way you just described it, almost sounds like what I would think a two would be. Like your kid needs you. And so you attend to that. And what is, can you define those two for me? I know this is a little off topic. Yeah. Well, and I'll, I'll go back to some of my training and to some of my experience. Um, my preference when there's a tight question between types that are common lookalikes and two nine is one of the most common yeah. is to go back to the essential Enneagram, which is David's book, um, which okay. we've been using forever because he states it out. The key difference, key similarities and the key differences. I will go there, but I can tell you the way that he described it. And I've used this thousands of times. Both types really like to be helpful and want to be helpful for very different reasons. But the key difference is that in the two, it's an active process. The two is looking for ways to be helpful. So that's a taking action, forward-looking, jumping in. And there's also some ability there to, to decide. They can choose, I wanna help this person over this person. And if you really dig, most twos will be able to tell you that at some level they do that. They're choosing walking into the proverbial room. I'm gonna go here rather than there. Yeah. The nine on the other hand is a receptive process. What it feels like from inside me and many nines I've worked with is that we're just drawn by the needs of other people and we can't choose. So let's say that at the same moment, one of my kids wants something and one of my neighbors who I don't care about wants something from me. I'm just as likely to go after what the neighbor asked for as I am for what my kid did. Now, now I stop and I think about it mm -hmm. or I try to, but the way you hear it from nines is all of a sudden I was at the head of this committee and I don't remember volunteering for that <laughs> or all of a sudden I found myself, you know, in a, in a three day project to do X, Y, Z for it. And I don't quite know how I got there. Mm -hmm. Okay. No two in their right mind would ever say that to you. <laughs> They're going to say, yes, I volunteered for this and this is why, and this is how in some version okay. rather than, yeah, it just kind of happened. It also uh, sounds like the difference between like, like twos are doing it 
to choose relationships that matter. And nines are, they just have a hard time prioritizing. It sounds like it's that decision-making. Both, uh, yeah, that's, that's right. Um, twos are looking for a relationship that they want unconsciously. Okay. Um, or a relationship that has, and I'm saying this advisedly, something in it for them. They don't know that that's what they're doing. Especially at the beginning, it is not intentionally manipulative at all. It can look that way, but it's not. They're just looking to to be part of and to have a positive impact. Nine is so unable to to hold on to our own priorities, again, at the beginning and on the unconscious level, that any, any pull to be part of is very hard to resist. Mm-hmm. Twos believe that they exist in the world to be helpful and to be of service. Nines aren't so sure why we're in the world and what it is that we have that makes us similar to other people. You get nines who will describe themselves as alien. Now, again, here's a delineation with the four, Megan. The four feels left out and misunderstood. The nine is more like left out because we're other in some way. Now that's a very charged word in current language, but somehow we just don't fit. Different, misunderstood, but know who we are. Left out, not quite sure. Like it's almost like fours, if they could be understood, they would no longer be left out. Like they believe that's true about themselves, whereas nines are just, they don't even think there's something to figure out. Yeah. And at the beginning and, and really caught in nine pattern without the IFS work and without self, which is invaluable and without the knowledge of self energy is, yeah, I'm just floating out here. I have to take whatever I can get can be that bad. Now that's an extreme and I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I'm trying to make the difference and you got it. Exactly. Um, And so what happens is whatever gets offered as a way to connect or to belong gets grabbed at regardless of the subtype. Mm, Okay. That's good. Yeah. Um, I feel like I just sort of um, wandered into self energy and no, we dragged you there because I did. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, we, we got you to- so off topic to talk about differences between nines and fours and nines and twos, but I actually, I learned so much in the last 15 minutes. So I'm excited about that. And I am trying to figure out a way to get you like at least once a month on our podcast to start talking about differences between types hey, for people. <laughs> I'd be happy to, I, I'd be more than happy to, um, it, it's um, one of the things that has always been true of me is that I have a very strong, very detail specific memory. I don't know why, um, but it's always been true. But I have to have been interested enough to store it. I am interested enough in stories of type that I can just pull them because I've been, been so many places and interviewed deeply so many people. Um, But let me go to this other piece because um, finding self energy as a concept from somebody who I 
instinctively respected from the beginning, Dick Schwartz, was enormously supportive. Um, I'm reaching for a word that I don't have. Um, motivating mm. um, and um, comforting in a way to me. Because in my nineness, I know that I know a lot on some level, but my nine structure says, don't show anybody, mm. don't compete. This is part of you know the hesitancy to go into these conferences. Don't compete because if you compete, people are gonna take shots at you. Now, that's not only my experience and my protectors, that's a nine structure. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be too visible because if you're too visible, you're just creating more reasons for people to stay away or walk away. Mm -hmm. Similarity to four here a little bit, but through a different lens. Um, however, I come into IFS. I have a great IFS therapist. I go to training. Dick happened to be in the training when I did it really lucky. And I could feel this is real. Same way as the first time I met Helen, which was a couple of years into my Enneagram story. This is real. Can't, can't fight that. And he's saying all of these capacities have to be in there. Like it doesn't get better than that. So that sets me to, okay, how do I make the most of the fact that they have to be in there. How do I bring them forward as actual self-energy, not self-like parts? Mm -hmm. And that's really pushed me forward. And for, I don't know, the last 10 or 11 years, and three years ago, up pops this fabulous three named Tammy Solenberger, who says, oh, by the way, want to be on my podcast? Again, Great conversation, but that knowing said here, which lets me move forward into creating with her. I can't do it unless I feel it. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of counterforce because there've been a lot of other attempts, you know, with teaching partners. You guys know what it is to have a good working mm -hmm. teaching partnership. It's very mm -hmm. rare, mm -hmm. but there it was. And then, of course, to have Dick say, yes, you guys run with it. Mm. OK, you know, I know what I can do, but but we all want that kind of affirmation. Mm -hmm. So somebody who's listening to this, if you're a nine and you're no, new, look at the places that you know you have capacity and look at the list of self energy, look at the eight C's They're They're great. And chances are, if you're a nine, you're going to get the calm. You're going to get the curiosity and you're going to probably get the courage right off the bat. You're going to think you don't have the clarity, but I bet you do in certain situations. And, and then the others will fall in around, you know, it, different people are gonna have different pieces of them, but those are gonna be there. And that's a starting point, you know, work with the, the strengths, don't, you know, we all keep going to the negatives first. 
why do we do that? (laughs) So that's such a good point. (laughs) I really like what you said, Joan, about self-energy versus self-like parts. Like I can't get that phrase out of my head. Um, Tammy will text me every so often and check in with me and I'll answer in what I think is a really healthy whole way. And then she'll go, that sounds like a part. And I'm like, dang it, Tammy. (laughs) Because it's like these self-like parts that like to disguise themselves. They do. They do. And, and that's, that's a really, really productive study. Where is it self-like and where is it self? And, and the way that you can follow that, Megan, is to pick out one that's self-like and let's say that it's a, you thought it was clarity and you thought it was self. How did she get that it might not be full on? And where in your experience was it full on self clarity? Okay, because it's gotta be there. That's the other thing that's so cool about this. It has to be in there if you believe the system. And obviously I do, Tammy does, you guys do. We just gotta find it. It's good. Yeah. And self-like is, is, it's tough because parts are like Enneagram type. Um, And I like to talk about them as little cartoon characters in there. Um, And they're going to try to convince you, but something in you and your heart type, you're going to know in your heart when it's self. Deidre and I are going to know in our gut when it's right. And the way we track that is the situations where we had an instinct whether it's heart, head, or gut, and we didn't follow it and we found out that we should (laughs) have. So you track back again. And and once you find one of those, you're never going to do it again. You're going to follow it because you're going to know the difference. So much wisdom in this whole (laughs) here. Thank you. I know. I don't want to (laughs) stop. Well, I know that uh, Megan mentioned at the beginning ways that people can connect with you just even through the upcoming book, but um, yeah, how can we just find more? Um, Well, we'll put in the, um, I think I asked you to put in the show notes. Um, There is a a little promotional link for the International Enneagram Conference, which is in July. Um, My presentation is going to be recorded and virtual. So even if you can't go to the conference, you can get a virtual pass and you'll be able to hear it. Um, uh, Tammy's podcast has a whole bunch of interviews that we did breaking this down that you know about. Um, And um, my website is creativecollaborations.net and there are links to everything there um, as well as on Tammy's website. We're uh, connected on all our links. Um, we're about to start a class. This is mid, mid-March. mid We're about to start a class in a couple of weeks, which I think is full. Um, but we do a five-session class, and we'll offer it again. Um, and I probably, after the conference, will offer Enneagram Typing with IFS Technique again, which is a four- or five-month program. Oh. Um, I just haven't put it in the calendar because it's beyond what I can <laughs> rock right now. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, we'll include links to everything that you just talked about on our show notes. So people can check that yeah. out or go to dauntlessgrace.org to find the episode and all the notes there too. Yeah. And um, anytime guys, you guys are so fun to talk to. You ask great questions 
And, and what I love so much about what you do is you take the pieces that are actionable for each of you and you run with them. And for me, in what I do, it doesn't get better than that. I'm all about where can I put my time and energy and have the most positive impact. I don't care if you agree with me. I just want you to, I want you to take it and play with it and think about it. And this is one of those places. So I'll always do this. It's awesome. Well, you're the one who opened this whole world up to us. So we really appreciate that. <laughs> and we love that you came on to, yeah, to be the, the finale of this Constellation of Parts series that you and Tammy coined the phrase and are exploring um, those things for us and kind of gave us some language around that. So we just really Yeah, and you're, you. you're spreading it into really wonderful places. And, and of course, you're in St. Louis, which has a soft spot for me anyway. So, you know, wash your grad. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I'm not going to tell you how many years because it's embarrassing. <laughs> well, Joan, thanks so much for, for coming back. And, and we will absolutely take you up on your invitation uh, or your uh, blanket acceptance of us inviting you back. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Get on the calendar. Yeah. All right. And that wraps up another episode of the Dauntless Grace Exchange. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave a review so other people can find us. You can follow us on social media to stay connected. We're on Instagram at Dauntless Grace Ministries and our Facebook page is Dauntless Grace. For more about the Enneagram, visit our website at dauntlessgrace.org for coaching and training opportunities. And you can follow me at Enneagram Megan on Instagram. And be sure to check out our website for more information about today's podcast. Plus, you can click the resources tab to find books by all the authors we've spoken to or about. And you can find it at dauntlessgrace.org.